Hi, it's Chris, founder and CEO of Pathway CTM. Thanks very much for coming back to our podcast series where we share with you the best webinar of the week that you can find on our YouTube channels, by the way. This podcast is an interview with Gail Ems, Olympian, world champion. She's got some fantastic transferable skills, messages to share. I really hope you enjoy it. So we'll kick off. Um, thanks very much for your time. Um, how's it been, by the way, um, over this period for you? Um, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's been horrendous. Um, and obviously, the, you know, and this is not putting anything against the bigger picture and, and coronavirus or anything, but it's had a massive impact on my life. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think for most young people as well, it's been really, really hard. Um, anyone who's involved in sport has been hit, like, not only because, you know, you can't do the sport, but it, it's been hit, you know, sort of if you're involved with it, like watching, supporting, all those little things. So um, I work in sports and events. So my two biggest work have gone, like, that's it. And the, the fact is that we have no idea when this is going to stop as well. It's really hard to mess with your brain yeah. because we just, you know, we, we, we have plans in life and we, we kind of have goals and we, we like to know what we're leading up to. So the fact we've got no end really, or we just don't know, has been really, really hard to, um, to for me personally, I find it really tough. I've got two little ones as well, a 10 and a six year old who are, I've got a homeschool and, you know, it's, it's been really, really difficult, but you know, all perspectives there are some people in a lot worse situations so yep. so we've got to be grateful for what we've got and appreciate you know the stuff that we have got so yeah that's the most important I thing can, i can see your mental uh, toughness and good attitude coming through already gail <laughs> um, and, and just for, us, um, for those students who are here on the, on the call we're not having a presentation today we're going to keep it quite informal um okay. this is, uh, well gail i'll let you introduce yourself in a second but Friday bonus, guys. We've done Monday to Thursday with our employability skills. This is another bonus session for us where we get to interview someone a little bit different uh, who you might not normally have access to. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to kick off with Gail today. So, Gail, you're an, you're an MBE. Um, I am. Can you just uh, let, let young people know a little bit more about you, please, and, and, and what you've done in your career, I suppose? Well, way before your time. So, before, yeah, pretty much now, making me feel really old now. But I used to be a badminton player. So, my career as a professional sports person, um, I've went to two Olympic Games. Uh, I managed to win a silver medal in Athens 2004. Uh, I've been world champion, European champion, Commonwealth Games champion, world number one. So pretty much everything in badminton, I've pretty much done it, apart from that Olympic gold. Uh, so my role now is I go around to schools, go around to universities, go around to businesses, and I talk about my sporting journey because I've been retired for 11 years now and I've learned a lot from looking back, reflecting about why I managed to get you know, where I was. Because mm. believe me, I was not the most naturally talented person at all at my sport. Oh. But there were other things that kind of helped me to get to where I was. Um, I got told that I wasn't going to be good enough over and over and over and over again. So again, you know, this is what I, I talked about with for young people and for, and for CEOs of big companies as well. We talk about this. Mm and how the brain is one of my, is the powerful tool it's stronger than your body um so yeah that's what i do now um and i love talking about the sport you know i've got my medals here so i've got my um olympic silver medal here so there wow. it is so that's how, a real how one heavy, how heavy is that girl oh it's really heavy <laughs> um i i yeah it's, it's very worn out that's what it is because it's been around lots of bars to try and get free drinks out of it and um, so <laughs> And then this is my world championship goal. So, um, you know, to be like number one in the world is very, very special. So, yeah, I've got these here. And, um, yes, I, I, like, I, like, I kind of like talking about those moments. And I think it's important for, for people to kind of pick brains of people that have done this stuff because otherwise, you know, it just get away. Yeah, absolutely. Girl, thanks so much. And, and MBE, what does that mean? And, and, what, and what happened as part of that process? Well, an MBA is means that I'm a member of the British Empire, Ooh, which is very nice. Um, it's something that I wasn't really aware of. Um, you know, it's not something that was, you know, it wasn't my goal to set out to be an MBA, but you get awarded it from the Queen. So you have to be nominated. Um, someone writes a letter and they look through all the people that have done, you know, some have achieved things in their life. And you go to Buckingham Palace. And you, you have to dress up very smart and you get asked in and you go, oh, Gail M, she's awarded the MBE for services to badminton. And you go in and my mum and dad and my, my other half are there. And, you know, for me, I think it's a very humbling experience because as a sports person, you just train all day and you do it because 
you just do it because that's what you want to do and you don't really think about these other things but it's so nice to be appreciated by someone like the palace um, and I was there with lots of amazing people who've done loads of charity work who have inspired people and you know what it's, it's you know for my mum and dad to be in Buckingham Palace to see their their daughter Gail you know get a, get an MBE it's, yeah very very proud moment for my family that's amazing and Gail we'll, we'll, we'll come back to your history in a second but you just you mentioned their training all day and why you do it do you think that you did it because you had an amazing talent and, and, and like a goal to work towards and you didn't want to let yourself down? Is that why you just kept doing it, so to speak? Do you feel like you, you almost had to, mm. I wonder? There's, there was it's different emotions. So that question will change. The answer to my, that question will change all the way through my life. So why did it to start with? So why did I start training when I was like 11 or 12 years old is very different to why I started you know carried on training at 27 28 years old so you know what the first time I started training it's because I loved it mm -hmm. I absolutely loved getting better at something and I know it sounds so simple to say but you, the more you practice the better you get you know it's, it, and sport you can see that so if you practice more you get better and those little things for when you're growing up, that's really it's quite builds your confidence massively to see yourself getting better is one of the best things. You know, your shoulders go back, your head goes up, you're like, Yeah, I'm good at this, I can do this, you know, I'm getting better. And well, that's for me with what what inspired me when I was a youngster. And when did you realise that you were quite good at it? Um, I knew I was pretty good about seven because um, I entered a tournament for 11 year olds and I, I'm tiny, I'm only five foot three, so I was, you can imagine that score, I was always the smallest one in the, in the class. I remember rocking up to this tournament and all these 11 year olds were like, oh my god, who she thinks she is, you know, she's only seven. And I got to the final and I remember all these girls who were a lot bigger than me and I went, Hmm, I think I think we're all right at this. So yeah, I kind of knew that I had something about me. The age of seven. I've got a question here um, from one of our students. What kept you motivated despite everyone saying um, that maybe you maybe may saying no to you? Um, um, and and they they also about the hours of training you put in as well. Yeah, I think um, one of my biggest motivators is proving people wrong. I think um, I'm very stubborn. And it's not everyone's motivation, okay? So when I say it's for me, I like proving people wrong. That's great for me and it works for me. It doesn't work for every athlete and it's, you know, it's finding what works for you is the most important thing. But I think growing up, my mum was a footballer. So my mum was a women's footballer for England. She was one of the first lionesses. Wow. So my mum grew up with a lot, of, a lot of guys telling her, you know, giving her abuse to playing football. That oh girls don't play football and she was banned from the FA for going to play for England and stuff like that because girls weren't seen suitable to play football and you know she had this real you know sort of obstacles in her way so she taught me that no matter what there's always a way round so no matter what obstacle someone says you're not good enough you it's up to you to decide if you want to accept that or do something about it and my mum was very you know like I'm going to show them. And I think I, I, you know, I sort of took that on board as well. So, you know, I grew up, you know, all these boys go, you know, I'm not playing her. She's a girl. And I was like, right, bring it on. <laughs> and then I go on court and then I, I beat them and then, you know, shut them up. And I love that feeling of going, you, t you thought I was rubbish. And look what just happened to you. So that, I love doing that. And I love that kind of feeling of going, mm -hmm. so I think that's what kind of kept me going. And, you know, there was, there's lots of people will have opinions about you. You know, everyone, we all have opinions about a footballer. So we're watching a football team and we'll all have opinion who we think was the best, who we think was rubbish. Because that's what we, it's subjective. It's people's, it's our opinions. So it's just whether you accept that or what you do about it. Um, when I was 18, um, so I'd done really well in junior. So I was in the England junior team. And when I was 18, I got called into the office with the, like the head guy of Amundsen. This is all deciding of um, who was going to get some money to go and get funded to become, you know, go on to the Olympic Games and everything. Yeah. So I was all like all cocky and arrogant. I went in there. I was like, you know, I'm amazing. Just, you know, done this. And he went, well, Gail, um, you know, we think you're a good badminton player, um, but you're not naturally talented. You're not naturally skillful. There's lots of shots in badminton you can't do. Uh, mm -hmm. So we think you're limited. And we don't think you're going to be an Olympian and we don't think you're going to go to a major championship. So 
we're not going to fund you. Wow. And I was like, you know, I was 18 years old and I got told this and I was like, oh, you know, this is someone very senior and, you know, expert in their field. And I, and just told me that he thought, you know, I was pretty average and I sort of walked away thinking, well, I wasn't expecting that. Um, that make you want to give up? Yeah, I accepted it. I accepted mm. his decision for three years. So I effectively did kind of give up. Um, I paid for fun. I, I went to university, actually. I scraped in and I, I did a, a sports science degree at Kingston. And I had a great time. I got my education. I met some amazing people. I was having the best time ever. But it was always something, you know, I'm, I'm a real feelings person. It was always something in my heart that was thinking, I just want to see if I can have another go. Um, and that's when I made that decision. I was like, you know what, I, I want to prove that guy wrong. And that's the start of the next stage. So sometimes we need these moments. We need these little setbacks in life because that kicks us up the bum a little bit. Mm -hmm. is, it, is, it very, know, is it sort of transferable, I suppose, to maybe failing in your GCSEs or your mocks and just yeah. thinking, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relate and, and get back on, onto what, where I should be? Totally. Yeah. I can't, you know, only you know that feeling of, did you, you know, what of every setback, it's like, well, it's that saying, did I, you know, not, not saying did I deserve it, but if you put 100% effort into it and you got that result, you can actually feel proud because that's actually what you got because you gave everything, that's your result. But it's funny, but it's this part of you that just thought, well, actually, I didn't really give all that and I got this and actually I know I can do a lot better and someone's just told, you know, it's, it, you have the power to choose. And you, only you know what it feels like. Do you feel gutted? Do you feel um, happy? Do you feel sad? You know, only you can have that control of what you do about it. And I think that's what was really important to me in, in sport was like, I knew when I'd done my best and tried my hardest. And if I couldn't have done any more, then I couldn't have done any more. But there was often lots of times where I went, I could have put more effort in or mm. I could have trained harder or... Or, you know it, it's those little things and only you can decide no one can oh, no one can say that for you because they don't know you they're not inside you it's your you here you're gonna be so. strong-minded so you're at Kingston Uni what what was the light bulb moment to, to then chase the dream again and how did you actually do it like how did you manage to like get there <sighs> right this is this is probably the hardest moments the hardest times in my life mm. probably so I've done my university and I was a bit like after uni, I didn't really know what I was going to do, whether it was get a job or whatever. And then I had this kind of vision of being, you know, sort of like maybe I'll see, have a go at the badminton. So I entered this tournament. I found a couple of rackets. Wow. I turned up because I heard I played this tournament. So I heard there was a bit of prize money. I was like, oh, I need to pay my rent. <laughs> so I turned up. I didn't win it, but I did okay because I was so determined because I needed this money <laughs> that I actually did really well. And I thought, hang a sec, you, I've just done well against the people that are supposed to be really, really, really good. And I've just rocked up. And I thought, okay, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to train every day now to see if I can get to Sydney Olympics, which has been two years. Right. So that was my light bulb moment. I had no money. So I worked as, in, um, as a waitress and as a bar girl all evening so and then I train from eight o'clock in the morning until four five o'clock in the evening then go and do bar work and waitressing all night and then do that over and over again just to get money wow. to see if I could get funding to tournament so two years so it was it was the hardest two years ever really really was um but I couldn't I couldn't it was you know I had to make a decision I had to take the control no one was going to fund me. No one was going to give me that money. I had to go and get it. So that's why I think it was really important for me to do it. And when Sydney Olympics came along, so year 2000, I was 23 years old. To make it in the badminton, to go to the Olympic Games, had to be the top 16 of the world ranking. So really, really tough. I finished 17th. No. So I missed out. So all that hard work. Wow. And again, did, did you see the positives in that? Or Not straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Not straight away, I can tell you that. It's um, an amazing, amazing story to be able to get to that position again after yeah. going down yeah. another route and maybe, maybe never getting that opportunity again. 
yes but it took me a long time to think like that it's wow. not, it, i mean it's like being punched in the stomach over and over again so you know, surely um, now you surely I, now you give I up three my rackets surely now you give up but, yeah sensibly <laughs> any sensible person would have just you know and i did i did give up um because i thought well like you know i gave it a good go wow. and then i watched it on tv and i was like why am i not there wow. i should be there and again, you, I, only you know, so imagine, remember what I was talking about earlier, I knew I could still get better. So that's why I couldn't give up. And that's why you have to really be in tune with yourself. And I think that's one of the, one of the best things. So at 23 years old was the first time I went, I know I can get even better. And we talk about these 1%, 2%, they... That's all it takes, but mm -hmm. that makes a huge difference because I went, right, four more years, I'm giving up my life, <laughs> and I'm going to go and get to the next one. But I have to push myself. So we all have our comfort zone. I have to go outside of my comfort zone every single day to push myself more and more and more and more. Work that bit harder, work that bit harder. Would so, you, yeah. I wonder, would you say pushing yourself that hard, is it? Is it what what percentage is it physical versus mental like like you're obviously talented like like you're up there just just give us a little bit of an insight into an elite sports person so anyone can hit a shuffle over the net okay mm. that's you know that's a basic skill you know but it's to be able to, to it's that thought process of i need to outwit this person i need to be fitter stronger and want to die on that badminton court before you know you know they're going to die before me mm. that is kind of the mindset you have to go so you have to know that even though you are hurting and your lungs are like going to explode or your legs are like ah you have to get this brain to, to tell your body that it's okay come on you can keep going keep going keep going and that's that's what it is it's it's, it's learning that your body wants to give up before your brain does or no so your brain wants to give up before your body does and yeah, exactly. we are our bodies are incredible so that's what is you've got to learn about yourself a lot our bodies are incredible we can do we can run marathons we do ironmans you know all these things are so use it appreciate our you know what we can do what this can do and this can do and together if you get the two together absolutely spot on who knows what you can achieve and did you did you have some some pretty dark so, so you said right four years i'm gonna give up my life I, just, I mean do you have to literally give up your life to get to that level yeah. you do yeah i mean it's within reason i mean you know we sort of look at premier league footballers we look at you know sort of rugby cricket players now the professionalism in sport is is ridiculous you know the what slightest thing they do wrong that's it you know they're all over the the papers yeah. whatever and you know what it, it, it's really hard because you have to you know relationships you can't really have a proper relationship with someone because you're traveling all the way around your family gets to see you like now and again um your best mates i've missed weddings and you know like best mates birthdays you can't party as much you know you can't really drink the alcohol you can't have fast food right. you know it's, it's sacrifice but you kind of twist it and say well it's i'm actually compromising right now because i can do all this when i'm finished or i can do this on my holiday so for most of the time i'm going to be professional because if i don't do this i'm not going to win right and that's the kind of thing you know you have to think if i want my goal this is what i'm going to have to do okay after so that Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Don't go for it. No. I was just, okay, so I just want to really make that clear for those of us, because we all struggle like on a Monday morning or when it's, <laughs> yeah. cold, when it's cold and wet, the average person. But yeah. of, let, let's say you, I don't know, let's say it's 6 a.m., you're getting out of bed, you're knackered, mm -hmm. your body's screwed. What mm -hmm. goes on in your head before that um, Athens to, 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 to 2004? What goes on in your head to get you out of bed and do it? So uh, just to again you've hit it spot on i don't love training i didn't love pushing my body this hard i love winning okay now because i love winning i need to train so that's why i kind of say that in my head i don't love training i do it because i need to win and that's what gets you out of bed um if i do not do that training 
I'm not going to win and someone else is going to win. And I don't want someone else to win. I want to win. So that, you know, and imagery is really powerful. So I used to imagine myself on that podium with a medal around my neck. And that is what got me around. And And that feeling when you've done it, oh my God, it's like the best feeling. You know, when you've like, you don't want to go for a run and you're like, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And then you do it and you come back, you're like, I feel amazing. Yeah. And you feel really proud of yourself as well. Yeah. That, being proud of yourself is the best feeling, you know? It is, you know, you're like, I did it, I did it. You know, it's like, you just want to, you know, walk around like that because you're like, oh, I did that. That, that's why I did it because I used to love that endorphin and that feeling of like, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> and, and we'll come on to Athens in a second. I've just got a couple of questions here. One from Maria. Um, what do you think you would be doing now if you hadn't got back into it? Oh, my gosh. That's a really... I honestly don't know. There, there were loads... Sport has saved me in so many different ways. Sport saved me at school because I am, a, as you can probably tell, I'm quite a competitive, feisty person. So if I hadn't done sport at school, I don't know what I'd have done. Mm. Um, it, was that play, it was my place. So um, the answer is I don't know, and that and you know, it's not a bad thing for not knowing. No. I'm sure I'd have found my way somewhere, but um, I honestly I don't. I uh, you weren't probably thinking in some office somewhere. You weren't thinking Plan B by the sounds of things. I did have a Plan B, so I made sure I got some education. Right. That's the only Plan B. So I did have something behind me. So I did my GCSEs and I. And I like I said, scraped into uni and stuff, and I made you know I did that, but there was no real vision of Plan B. It was I'm just taking it, you know, just going along with it. So, um, and I do you know sort of recommend having Plan Bs and Plan Cs as well. Plan Cs are often very good sometimes <laughs> as well because you know we just don't know what life is going to throw at us. So I honestly don't know, but um, yeah. That's fine. No, thanks, Gail. Uh, another question. How do you set your goals? What tips do you have? For goal setting. Okay, so goal setting is like, um, it's, it's different from everyone, okay? So the biggest thing is about what works for you, and it has to work for you, right? So some people, they love a big goal. So they love, you know, Sometimes I'm talking with someone, they're like, yes, I want to be world champion. And you're like, brilliant, okay, <laughs> right. And they're 14 years old. And you're like, brilliant, I love you. <laughs> um, so they have really, really big goals. And then we break it down into these little tiny steps and everything like that. Now, for some people, having a really big goal like that is really scary. So I wouldn't even go there. You know, I said, oh, do you want to be an Olympian? And they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's too much for them. So I would sort of firstly ask yourself, what feels right? What what what's right for you is a big really big goal like 10 years in the future really appealing or if not let's break it down to 10 months what do you want to do in 10 months and then you just sort of work out where and it is like a little ladder little steps and little steps here so you start here and then went over here and here and here the most important also thing about goal setting is make them achievable okay so don't go and start um, you know, putting goal settings, you know, that's such big steps that it's re- actually really hard to achieve. And when you don't achieve, you just feel really, really down about it. Have these little goals, little goals, little goals, little goals. Also have goals where it might not go that way. It might go, and it might go all over the place, okay? Because life will throw stuff at us, you know, that's what happens in life. So make sure so your goals are adaptable as well so don't they're so set in stone that's it and if you don't achieve that's it it all goes to plot so be honest with yourself have a lovely you know sort of think really sit down it's going to take a lot of time this it's not something you just like can plan out in you know 10 in 10 minutes think about it what works for you and have that really lovely nice curve of goals that can go wherever you want it to and make sure they can change as well Brilliant. Thanks, Gail. Good advice. Um, one question here, which is an interesting one, I suppose. Uh, what would you have done uh, if you were um, basically training over COVID-19 on lockdown like now, especially unable to play team games and train like normal? Oh, I, do you know what? I, firstly, I'd be going crazy. Um, 
again so athletes it's all, we have a saying in sport it's about controlling the controllables okay so it's nothing you can do about covid it is it's mm -hmm. happening and no one else is playing without you so athletes have a real fomo they're like oh you know especially when we're injured and everyone else is playing we're like oh no it's not fair but the thing is it's happening to everyone so it's about being again i keep using the word adaptable but it is it's about adapting to the situation you're in and this is being really positive about it so okay you can't go out and train um with your teammates but what can you do so looking around your house looking around your flat looking in your garden whatever you've got and then being really really smart about it so for me I, i'm very lucky i've got a garden so i've been outside mm -hmm. in the garden got a little circuit um planned out and i also live quite near some countryside so i've been going for a little run uh, and doing that so that's what i've been doing and, and every single athlete will be doing exactly the same getting loads of support from their sports scientists and their fitness trainers and their coaches you know just trying to keep that positivity about it all and yeah like i say keeping as fit as you can no one is going to be in peak fitness when they come out if you're an olympian or a, a premier league football no one is but you know what everyone's doing yeah as the best they can and that's yeah. all you can ask we've got to do it girl actually out of interest um as an elite athlete do you when you retire do you continue or uh, is it always in your blood or are you like no i don't want to train anymore everyone's different mm. um i i was i i, ch I challenged myself in different ways so i didn't want to be on a badminton court anymore mm. but i still love fitness and i think it's really good for my brain so i love um i think it's really important for my mental health to be exercising um so i and i like being strong i think as a girl i like being strong and i think um i've got two boys and i like them being a, a strong female i think it's really important yeah. that role model thing um so i do lots of circuits and boxing and i play golf and i go running so i do all sorts only because i love it and like i say it's, it's personal but i know athletes who have just gone no not doing anything anymore and they just like you know enjoyed life and may have put on a bit of weight from it so <laughs> again if you're it's, it's you it what feels right for you but exercise bins yeah i love it so what about, yeah. what about your old partner um badminton partner nathan roberts nathan he is coaching actually so he coaches the under 19 england team in badminton he's a brilliant coach i never found my way with coaching i'm not a natural coach so um coaching is the skill just like teaching yeah. and for me i was a bit like no it's not really me so um yeah nathan's doing brilliantly on that that's good. I've got a question here saying, because you mentioned that you weren't maybe the most naturally gifted, which no. is quite an honest thing to yeah. say. Um, they're saying here, uh, were there any other sports you wanted to try out? So I was actually a very good hockey player. So at school, um, we played with we the hockey school. So we were like the best. I'm from Bedford. And um, our school were like the best in the, in the whole Bedfordshire and then Eastern region and everything like that. So we, I was, you know, because I was quite strong as well and had hand-eye coordination, so I was a very, very good hockey player. And that was the, the, the choice between, well, to be, to be honest, I was in every bloody team at school. So, you know, but hockey was kind of like, because we were so good as a team, and then badminton. And um, so, yeah, I just sort of like, um, again, I wasn't naturally talented at hockey. I was just that strong you know, I just go in for that crunching tackle, you know, I wasn't afraid of it. You know, I've got scars all over my head and, you know, sort of broken fingers and everything from it. And some other girls have got, had a few broken noses off me and stuff. But, you know, that, you know, I, I was that kind of person. So, yeah, I think sport, I never had any, like, sort of coaching. It was just my personality that kind of got me through the sport. And to give you some, and when I say I'm not naturally talented at badminton, okay, mm -hmm. so, um, if you think of someone like Roger Federer at tennis, you know, he's got that beautiful style, so it's really natural. So try and think of that kind of way, um, you know, sort of that real glide, so Messi, Ronaldo, you know, beautiful talents, all just silky, silky, silky. That wasn't me. Okay, so if you think of someone like, a bit like a James Milner, all right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone like a bit of a workhorse who was just like tough, solid. And would just do was but was really fit and strong and i was really strong here so actually i worked really well so nathan is that naturally talented person 
and I was that come on you know sort of like feisty one um so that's why it's kind of you don't you don't have to be you know that's what I'm really passionate about you know people think oh you can't do this skill you can't do that shot and I'm like no I can do it you know it's loads of shots and bumps and I can't do but I can hit it really hard and I'm really strong and I'm really fast so it's all about understanding yes we all have weaknesses no one is perfect but it's working away, your way around it. So really maximizing your strength and working with people that can help you and you fit in and find your place. I found my place with Nathan. That's so funny, Gail, because we, we work with a company called Capfinity and they've given our students a free strength test. So students know what they're oh, wow. good at and maybe where their weaknesses are and how to just play towards those strengths and say, I'm yeah. good at this and this is, what I'm, this is what I'm about. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. So my um, coach. Oh, no, go for it. no, go for it, please. So my coach, so, you know, there's something, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than being told how rubbish you are at something. Mm. You know, like if you, if you go walk in and your coach or a teacher goes, oh, you were rubbish at this, you know, right, let's, you're going to sit down there, you're going to practice it over and over again. You're like, all oh, right, hi, good morning, thanks for that. <laughs> so my coach is brilliant because I would walk in and he'd go, right, Gail, start off the day with, your, with what I'm good at which is wacky shuttles right so he would literally i'll be like ah wacky shuttles and then after that he'd go right what would you like to practice so he always made me he gave that twist to me do i want and you know he never said right we're going to practice this he's like what would you like to work on and some days i wanted to work on my weaknesses some days i didn't want to go near them mm. so again it's understanding how you work and having that that power to go you know what I want to work on this shot because I wasn't very good at it the other day so yeah that is something which is really good practice your weaknesses when you're feeling good because there's nothing worse than practicing when you're not feeling good it will not help whatsoever so always start with your strengths and then yeah decide if you're in the right frame of mind to uh, practice your weaknesses even Olympians are, are, uh, are humans right to be honest um, we so are we are we're not superhuman so i want to get on to this and so we'll talk about athens soon but you've done world champs you've done commonwealth you've done europeans and and of, of course olympics uh, is the olympics extra special or are they all special in their own right i think because the olympics i grew up watching it as mm. a kid you know and, and it's not just the badminton it is every sport and i think that is why the olympics to me is something special my first memory um, was when I was 15 years old and I watched Barcelona 1992 Olympics. And I, and I, because I, 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 the time, you know, it was perfect time. I remember just watching the TV like that going, oh, whoa, you know, it was on every, you know, and I was watching sports I'd never even heard of, you know, it didn't matter because, mm. you know, it was just like, this is amazing. And people were like punching and kicking and swimming and running. And I thought, this is the best thing ever. So when you've had that emotion of watching every single sport, and when you go to an Olympic Games, so you get my tracksuit here, so you get the, the Team GB tracksuit. A part a very elite group of people. So I'm one of 6,500 people to have ever represented Great Britain at an Olympic Games. Wow. So, and that, and you, when you go in there, you see all the countries around, you know. So in Athens, there was, um, you know, my, my roommate in Athens was Amir Khan, the boxer. Mm. And you're sort of talking like, you know, there's so, so superstars over there. There's people you've had, but everyone's together. And it's all, the, everyone kind of looks at each other. You know, you're, you're all Olympians, which is incredible. Um, Beijing, my flatmate was Andy Murray. Um, I sat next to Messi, you know, having breakfast with Messi in the in the dining room. See Usain Bolt just walking around, and and but it doesn't matter. It, it, you are part of something incredible. So I think with that, the Olympics will always be something very very special in my heart. That's amazing. So so Athens, uh, two thousand and four, silver medal. Um, just talk us through some of the emotions and some of the well, I guess I guess memories of of, of that tournament. So Athens, myself and Nathan were ranked number four in the world going into Athens. So we weren't re we were an outside chance of a medal. So we, we kind of in our heads thought we, we might get bronze. Um, with a bit of luck, we actually ended up in the Olympic final. So 
we walked out to the Olympic final. We were up against China. Now, if you don't know much about badminton, China are really, 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 really good. They, yeah, they, yeah, they're very, very good. 100 million people in China play badminton. Wow. So, and the, the people we played against, they were gold medalists in Sydney as well. So we knew that we were the underdogs massively. And we walked out and people just turned up, like these random people who'd never seen badminton before, but Great Britain athlete, you know, fans had just turned up. And they were like singing Barbie Army and all these like, <laughs> we were like, oh my God, we've never had you know, this before in badminton. And it was brilliant. I remember just thinking the crowd was so noisy. Um, we went out there, we got absolutely thrashed in the first game. Like I couldn't even see the shuffle. The guy was smacking it. Yeah. over 200 miles an hour at my head <laughs> and then um second match we, second game we got back into it we won that one and then in third we were winning and then oh you just one of those you know we they got back into it and we ended up we were three points away from the gold medal so we ended up with silver wow well what's it like going into a final knowing you've already got that silver medal like it must be so hard not to get excited or maybe not. Yeah, and it is hard. Yeah, but you sort of like you don't think about it. You, you, it's quite nice the fact I've got a medal. So no matter what happens, I have a medal. But the trouble is, is when you stand on that podium, bronze are like, woo, we didn't come forth. Um, hmm. Gold are like, woo, we're gold. And silver are like, <laughs> yeah. So I actually, did, I, I didn't feel happy. I yeah, stood yeah. on that podium and because we were so close to gold, I actually just went, not happy with this. I want gold. That's how I felt. Wow. No, I guess that doesn't. And then, and then you went back to 20, 2008, didn't you? You were with Andy Murray. You said you shared a room with yeah. him. And then, and then, and then <laughs> that, was that the last? Um, was that the last tournament? You shared a flat. Did you share a room with him? Can we oh, just saw any room with Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and that was the last tournament, wasn't it? That you played, or yeah, so yeah. off. Yeah, after Athens, you know, that silver spurred us on to win, you know, Commonwealth, Europeans, World Championships. So we were, we were winning because, like I said, it, we, you have those little steps and those spur of the moments where you just go, right, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Yeah. So we were winning everything. And Beijing, I think I was, I knew it was going to be my last one. Um, I've just mentally, physically, I'm naturally quite strong and everything, and I, I could have carried on, but mentally, I was getting a bit, Mm. Uh, you know I wanted to see what else I could do in the world you know I was getting a bit over it um and it was getting very very stressful you know understandably mm. elite sport it's not all about ah, you know it's quite relentless it is there's lots of pressure on you and I was just getting a little bit yeah so I knew that was gonna be it, it was gonna be it so um you know I wanted we we had the we had the mindset gold medal or nothing you know that's what we wanted to do um and then it just doesn't always go to plan that way no. we, the first round we had was the gold medal favorite so we were like oh great the <laughs> first round in in beijing we had the chinese gold medal favorites who were like the poster pair of yeah. everywhere so we had them first round and we we had the most dramatic game and we ended up beating them so we were like oh my god we've beaten the favorites this is it we're gonna go get the gold but in the quarterfinals, we were up against Korea and we beat them before, so we were really confident. Went on to court and we played brilliantly. We played absolutely brilliantly. But the Koreans played better and they beat us. Um, so my official placing in Beijing is fifth. Um, and I came off court and, you know, obviously devastated, cried my eyes out, or mm. the whole lot. But I can, I can, I can also say that was my gold medal because I couldn't have done any more. No. I, I was the best I could be. Yeah. And actually, I feel quite proud. I could retire. I retired. That was my last match because I didn't have that feeling of I can still get better. I can still do more because I just went. That is, that is me. I'm done. I, yeah. I am done. I'm <laughs> happy. I'm proud. I am, you know, I've, I've, I don't have that nagging. There's no nagging here, nagging here. It was like, I got beaten by someone and they went on to win the gold medal. So I got okay. beaten by the gold yeah. medalist. You know, there was no, there was no what, I should have done this. I could have done that better. Nah, no. that's it. So, well, that's brilliant. Um, and I've got a couple of questions here. Nav, who's been asking it. Sorry, Nav, for taking a while. Um, he plays uh, <laughs> cricket for a major county and is on the way to be cool. a professional cricketer at county level if Yay. all goes well. Uh, what would one or two things that you'd recommend to becoming an international sports player, how to generate that self-belief? 
Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, self-belief. Okay, so, right, so to, to do a quick version of self-belief. <laughs> so every athlete, okay, and you will have this for your whole life, and this is all about learning. So you, when you, what you are now will change as you get older and you mature and you learn more about yourself. But every level, every athlete has two things that they need to really be aware of. One of them is the fear. And one of them is trust, okay? So fear and trust. And I want you to think about those two things. So understanding that fear, this is all about your insecurity. So when you're feeling, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, that person said I'm rubbish, you know, that's your fear. So you don't want your fear levels to be too high. So what you need to do is counterbalance that out with trust. And this is where where self-belief comes in. So we need to learn about trusting yourself. So have you done your training? Have you done your practice? How are you feeling? Trusting the people around you, trusting your team, uh, your coaches, um, even people like your friends and family, having that really good trust in people that motivate you and inspire you. And this is what helps you with self-belief to become um, wherever you are going to achieve in your sport. So what you don't want is if your fear gets too high, you need this to come back up again to lower that. So I want you to start thinking about those two things. There are, I don't know how you personally, so I'm just going to say all I can get you to do is be aware of these two. And this will help you with self-belief. If that gets too high, it's not going to happen. So have a think about all those people around you who can help you with that self-belief. Trust yourself. Trust this. Trust this. Trust your body. Okay? You do that. You get that trust going really well. Then that's, yeah, you'll be on the, on the right path. And I hope that makes sense. Yeah, thanks, Gail. And if, if it didn't, or you want to continue, uh, Nav, do, do put up your hand and you can speak to Gail one to one. That's absolutely fine. Uh, uh, Ryan has said, um, How different do you think your career would have been if you grew up amongst this generation? Oh, so, um, I mean, is it, is it more competitive? You know what? Less competitive? Career... I don't know. I think. Right, so two things. Um, I still would have been had the obstacles um, mm. put in my way because I still would have been classed not good enough. Okay, mm. so what we have in sport is we have these pathways. You might have heard of the performance pathways. In every sport, it's like a tick box. Do you tick that box? Yes, you can go on the next pathway. So I would still not have ticked those boxes because I wouldn't have had that skill or whatever. The other way that it would change, um, no, I think I would have had the same career. I really do. I, I don't think anything would have been different. I think because, because I still maximised my strengths and I still managed to go around the box, I still managed to achieve, and I, I can't think of anything that would have changed the only thing that would have been a bit more different is like the whole social media and brand marketing stuff, which is kind of, you know, at the side of sport. I probably would have earned a lot more money, definitely, <laughs> if I was playing now. <laughs> There's loads of money in my sport now. Now I'm, you know, finished. Um, so the only thing that would be a bit different was that I would have been, I would have been richer. So, yeah. Well, well maybe, we too can, early, maybe, maybe we can make Tris rich because he's asked, how did you make your way <gasps> up to the Nationals team? I'm quite passionate about badminton and always been, but what do you okay. think the first step would be for someone like me? play tournaments that is the only thing I can tell you because then you need to know where your level is so play a tournament in your in your area and then the great thing about badminton is that if you beat somebody you're better than them and it's quite easy to gauge where you are so that's the first thing I suggest you so play a couple of tournaments and then work out so why were they better than you is it fitness is it a bit of coaching technical I would you know, sort of join group, you can to find a good badminton club or anything like that, especially where there's people with coaching as well. So you can just start those improvements. But yeah, first of all, find a club, find a tournament and just gauge where you are in the, in the kind of the sense of the standard. And then, you know, like I say, it's all about a goal setting. So if you're going to win, that, win a, um, a small tournament, then you can go to a bigger tournament, bigger tournament, bigger tournament, and so on and so on. Brilliant. Thanks, Gail. That's so interesting. Guys, um, any more questions, do feel free to ask. We've been 45 minutes already. Gail, normally on a Friday, we try and keep them to 45 minutes. So uh, I'll see if there's okay. any more. Um, <laughs> no, but it's been great. It's flown, it's flown by. I don't know about you. 
Um, I'll see if there's any more questions from anyone. But I just wonder, Gail, you say you do stuff in schools at the moment. Mm. I just wonder if there's any sort of advice you have for, for young people, you know, trying to go out there and achieve their, their, their sporting or career dreams. Is there anything that you often say in schools, I wonder? Yes, there's a few things that I really, my few, I guess, takeaway points are. So the first thing I have to say is like, when you fail at something, it's not failing, okay? Never, no, no one fails, but we use this word failing. I didn't get this grade, I've failed, or I didn't get this, I've failed. It's not failing at all. It's, it's actually learning. And that's the big thing for, I say, you know, always say in schools, I have lost more matches than I have won, okay? Wow. And I managed to get go and get Olympic medals and I was world number one. So try and think about that mindset. I have lost more badminton matches than I've won. But every time I lost or failed or whatever, I learned. So you, all, you learn the most when you lose because you can get better from it. If I've won, I've won. You know, yay, what do I learn from it? I don't, you, don't, you, don't re- you can learn so much more from, you know, can I get better? What do I need to improve on? How can I do better next time? These are all the things that you can learn in that, that mindset. So that's number one. Uh, number two is there's no such thing as being perfect, okay? There's no such thing. I was world number one and I have never, ever played the perfect badminton match, okay? I've always made mistakes, all right? It's normal. We're human. Um, so please, you know, don't think about this perfection thing, you know, or, and, and don't compare yourself to anyone else. The, in sport, we get compared all the time, like, oh, you're the next so-and-so, and you're, oh, yeah, you can be like them. Well, actually, I don't want to be like them. I want to be me, and I can't be like them because she's five inches taller than me, and she plays a completely different style of play. So why am I wanting to be like them? I can't be like them. So you cannot be someone else. You are you. So make the best you, you know, and, I, and that's really impossible. We are inundated with images and you know people's opinions of oh they're so much better or they're so beautiful or they're so you look at their body and oh they're so strong you know what leave them to it you know you can't be them so don't compare yourself or just focus on you and how to get the best you and I think that's something that's really really powerful and there was one other thing which has just gone out of my mind but I've probably talked about those in those two things anyway they're probably the most two the, the most important things anyway it, it, it might come back to you, girl, because I've got one more. It might do. I've got one more question here. Um, uh, Nikhil, uh, I play ba- a lot of badminton players apparently here. This is great. Uh, I play badminton a lot, but a lot of people I play against have better shoes and rackets than me. Okay. What would you say? Uh, what would you say would make the most important thing I would need to get to, to help me ma- to help me get better? Right. Okay. So shoes are important because you need that ankle stability. And I think you get some good badminton shoes, look around on eBay. Okay. And you can get some, you know, like do, do sort of hunt around or ask someone, you know, there's so many people in clubs that probably buy two or three pairs and don't actually use them or they've gone on to the next model. Don't be afraid to ask for help on this matter as well. Racket, you can do okay with a racket. Again, secondhand racket is about stringing. Again, ask for some help. Please may I borrow a racket? Does anyone have a racket that I can, you know, sort of borrow off them or, you know, buy off them secondhand? There are, they're not going to be that big a deal, okay, for you um, in terms of the bigger picture. It's what you do with them, okay? So if you can get, find someone, and like I say, don't be afraid to, to ask for some help. If you can get that pair of shoes that feel good and get that racket that feels good as well, then you know what? Get that shuffle over the net more times with your opponent. That is the most important thing to do. So yeah, you, that's what you need to focus on. Be that, be the strong one. Be the the fast one. Be that one, that mentally tough one, and never will start wanting to uh, play play doubles with you and to uh, lend lend rackets and shoes with you. That's so good. Thanks, girl. And just one more thing. I think this is a persistent question. Maybe we we, we want to uh, hit it uh, nail on. One more question. How do you cope with nervousness? I think this was someone who was saying that they get a bit nervous in competitive yeah. sports. Well, firstly, nerves are completely normal. Okay. Um, any any person who tells you that they don't get nervous um, before a football match, you know, is a Premier League footballer or Olympian, they're lying. Okay. It's your body's natural response. Right. So nerves. Firstly, you're not, not, you're not abnormal for getting nervous, okay? You are completely normal. So the body, you've got all this adrenaline running through you, okay? Now, I had three different states of nervousness, right? My first one would be like, 
I'd be like, Dah! you know, so I've been bouncing and bouncing and bouncing, bouncing. And, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, you know, and then Gail's my nervous. second one, Gail's nervous. <laughs> the second one, so I got really angry. I was like, oh, do not talk to me because I will punch you. And again, that was, a, a, I was nervous, you know, that's my body. I didn't know what else to do with it. And the other one would be quite sleepy. So I had a kind of a bit of a form of narcolepsy. So I'd just be like there, you know, before a match going, <sighs> you know, like I could fall asleep any second. So that is three very, very different ways of being nervous. I've thrown up before a match, you know, literally been physically sick right there before going on to court. So um, the best thing to do is accept it, okay? The more you fight nerves, the more the adrenaline comes in because you're like, you're clenching up. It's about relaxing and it's accepting I am nervous, okay? And if I'm nervous, my opponent is nervous. Everyone else is nervous. And it's about sort of having that flow of thought and then breathing and getting that trust. I can do this because I have done my work. I have done my training and I've got a great support team around me. Smile, you know? We're really lucky to be in these situations and you just sort of allowing that sort of the positivity thoughts going through you suddenly you realize you're okay that's so good thanks girl and um i've just got one more question but i think it's um it's basically asking how they can get in touch with you with any more questions maybe linkedin or twitter or something like that yeah or by yourself yeah i'm on social okay. media so if anyone wants to or you know go through you chris i'm happy to if, if there are other you know sort of other themes that are coming through you know get in touch with you you can pass them on as well so um, you know, it's great that you're thinking about these sort of things and you're thinking about mindset. Um, it, it's really, really important and it's okay to be honest with yourself. Um, it's good to have those moments sit back and go, actually, yeah, I like, you know, it, it's okay to do this. And, and now's the perfect time to do that. We're in a very, very uh, strange world right now. So it's a great, great time to think about what you want to do and how you're going to get there. And that's self-development. That's such a good note to end on, I think, Gail. And the one thing I've really taken from this, there's been quite a few things, but it's just that mental strength and resilience that you clearly have, um, have and had to, you know, to get to where you, where you, yeah. where you got to. Yeah, and you ha don't, you know, I haven't been like this all the time. So mm. I do have dips, you know. I'm not this, per you know, again, when I, just again to make it clear, it's not like I wake up and go, yes, I'm mentally tough and I'm going to do yeah. this. You know, it's learning. Okay, and there's and that's why you know when we think it's a failure and we go down, and that's actually when you learn the most. So don't fight. Sit back, enjoy it. Life is going. I'm going to quote Ronan Keating. Life is a roller coaster, mm -hmm. but life is like all over the shop. Same sport, education, anything. What you think you're going to go that way, you'll end up going that way and that way and that way. So it's just going. Okay, accept it. It will be okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Gail. Um, Gail, brilliant insights. Thanks so much for giving up your time today. We really do appreciate it. And, um, no and stay safe over this period. Yes, everyone else too. Thank you very oh, much for having me anyway. Thanks so much. Cheers. Okay, bye. Bye. bye, -bye.